to the happy hour your palette cleansing news podcast it has been a while since i've said that um so there's a possibility i got it wrong. i am malachi wade i'm joined by my lovely co-host shaylin martos that's me hello everybody i just waved and we're on a zoom call and no one's going to see me wave yeah this is a totally new format for us and in order to kind of um you know come back with uh, come back and make sure that this podcast is, is relevant to what's going on right now with the coronavirus and the Black Lives Matter movement. We wanted to take this opportunity to, instead of just talk about happy stories, but facilitate a conversation with some people who have varying perspectives on this situation. So this is, we're still going to focus on, you know, Black joy and and uh, wonderful things that are happening too, but, but there is a lot of bullshit going on right now. And if we don't address it, we're not doing our job effectively and respectfully. And we are joined by two very special guests. Nia Coates, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Nia. Um, I'm an SF State student, a journalism major, and most of my stories do center around Blackness, Black joy, Black stories. So being on this podcast, talking about what I write about is great. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're so happy to have you, Nia. Um, I don't think that we have met in person. Have we met him? No. no. So this has just been a really, and we've been working together like all summer. Um, someone who's been working more closely with Nia is Whitney Papali'i, uh, who is the city editor for the Golden Gate Express this summer. Hey, Whitney. Hi, guys. Um, I'm Whitney. I'm also a journalism major at SF State. This is actually my last semester. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I'm ready for that. <laughs> but I'm really happy to be here with my section was arts and entertainment last semester but i also focused on campus stories so mm-hmm. i'd love so it's great that i'm here to share as well yeah definitely and um we asked whitney to come on as well because well you've been on the podcast before whitney and you were talking about a story that you did with um with bra uh black residents united in housing Correct? Okay, cool. I was like, I I read it. I was there. (laughs) Um, So, and then you've also done work to to start to cover the BSU more respectfully, the Black Students Union on campus, because historically... Um, our newspaper has had some issues, well, a lot of issues with the BSU. So, um, yeah, so we'd love to hear about that, too. Uh, without further ado, we want to talk to you, too, about why you focus on the stories that you do, what and who inspires you, um, and what makes you want to share what you've learned. Uh, Nia, would you like to go first? Yeah, um, I focus on the stories that I focus on, that I choose to focus on, because um, I think just being a Black person, I feel like I have a duty to tell Black stories, especially in journalism and news, where the main people who are writing stories on Blackness or writing stories in general, they're they're not Black. They happen to be white or male, and being a Black woman, that intersectionality is completely different. Mm And even the viewpoints I have on black issues when it comes to all black things is different than what someone else who's not in the community would have. So I'm from Hunters Point. I grew up on Oakdale and Ingalls. Um, I went to school a block from my grandmother's house. Yeah. Wow. So SF native, really trying (laughs) to write stories for for your community there. That's awesome. (laughs) 
Yeah, Whitney, um, the type of work that you're focusing on um, this summer and in the past, what parts of that inspires you to um, write those stories and share what you've learned? Um, So last semester for spring, I went into it wanting to focus on arts and entertainment as my section beat. Um, But then I realized that with SF State being such a large commuter school, I didn't really get to know a lot of student organizations on campus. So I wanted to kind of branch off from that and start focusing on campus stories and students on campus and kind of seeing what's going on. So that kind of just went from there um, of why I started reporting on campus news. And uh, Felicia Hyde, who was the Express's arts and entertainment editor, she really helped me out a lot with my reporting and writing. So. That was a great um, experience there. And Whitney, can you give us a, a little bit about your your background, where you're from, and um, well, I've, or if you if yeah. you'd like to? Oh yeah, definitely. Okay. Uh, I've moved around a lot of my life, so I actually was born and raised in Auckland, New Zealand. I came to the U.S. when I was six years old with my family, and we moved around a lot. I was in Paramount for a while. I've lived in Westchester, which is by LAX in Los Angeles. Um, and then I, right now, currently I live in Lamert Park uh, with my parents, uh, but I transferred to SF State in spring 2018. And yeah. Yeah, awesome, awesome. And, and Nia, where are you located right now? Right now, I'm in Oakland with my family. We live in Oakland, but we're all from San Francisco, so. Yeah, uh, I'm in Oakland too. I'm living with my dad now. Um, we moved together during during COVID uh, because of you know situations having to do with COVID, housing, housing bullshit. Um, and Malachi, mm-hmm. where are you at? Oh, I am in Santa Cruz with my family. I moved here um, after both my roommates moved out of my apartment and I started to feel the crushing um, loneliness of (laughs) never having a human conversation and it was feeling weird so I came back and don't have to pay SF rent prices which is really nice but yeah it's super interesting that all of us are some people are in the same city and some people are totally spread apart Um, and it makes it interesting for like our perspectives on on the current situation because everybody's area some places have different guidelines Mm -hmm. and stuff um um, okay yeah so so during this time um can you describe a little bit about your school experience um and since you know we're all at kind of different a few different grade levels um like what's how has this all affected your reporting and your schooling and how you kind of see it for the future So last semester, I was taking journalism 395 and 400 with Josh Davis, taking two classes with him, taking class with him right now in the summer. (laughs) um, Yeah, I was working on this story for um, about Instagram chefs. And that was the last story I actually did, like in real life reporting on. So it was like right before the show turned place. So it was like in March, like March 15th or something. And I did an interview on Pulu and Third, and that was the last one. So the story hasn't ever, hasn't been able to meet completion because I just haven't. People are hard to reach in general, mm-hmm. especially if like they're on social media and they're chefs and COVID changes a lot. 
so from that like from that um that project the instagram chefs project um we just had to end up shooting videos of ourselves so we made video diaries and mine was pretty much talking about me going to target and safeway and (laughs) posting on my blog and yeah it was just classes since covid have been difficult but my grades have been better so not really i guess (laughs) why do you think that is oh i'm not sure (laughs) i last semester i got like four a's and one b so (laughs) you're being modest you're probably a really great student (laughs) (laughs) thank you but as far as my school experience at sf state um with reporting i definitely am more on the shy side um so reporting kind of just on on public last semester kind of pushed me out of that um shell and it and it was for the better it kind of kind of forced me and taught me how to create bonds with student organizations on campus and other um people in order for me to like kind of expand on my um reporting and how has the summer been for the two of you? Summer's been just like spring. <laughs> Most of the summer, I was just at home. And then I got an internship, so it's been internship. And then school started, so then it's been internship in school. And then I started working again, so it's internship, school, and work. <sighs> I was going to say, in relation to schooling during COVID, I feel like there's kind of, in the beginning, everything was... Like, just do what you can about your stories at home. And so we had a lot of content come out of um, both publications at school um, with kind of like at-home videos and stories and stuff. And then this summer, it was kind of like, all right, well, that's done. And we can move on to the real stuff now. But it's like, well, we're still processing how to handle life during this and then how to handle like going kind of back to school work. Um, and so I think like the stories that you have all been doing on Express this summer have been great. I've been kind of like <laughs> lurking in the background. Um, and I, you know, I hope that like that content can continue and we can keep trying to support everybody and all reporters mm-hmm. and everything. We're going to have so well. much more. I, I counted today that we have six reporters and two photographers this summer. And everyone has just been working their asses off um, during this. So it's it's um, it's actually like really, really inspiring to see the work that everyone has done. Um, yeah, which is why we wanted both of you on here. <laughs> um, we're gonna talk about cannabis now. We're gonna talk about some cannabis businesses. Um, so Nia, you are working on a story about Black-owned cannabis businesses um, in the Bay Area, like yeah. specifically in Oakland. Is it specifically um, in Oakland? One is in Oakland. One is in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. I see uh, Bayview Hunters Point, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, great. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what you learned from your story? Um, I feel like I've learned that the stats um, and the disparities between people who own cannabis businesses and who are black or of color are just like the disparities of people who get arrested for cannabis pretty much it's mm-hmm. a lot well in the way that like a lot more people who are black and of color get arrested for cannabis whereas white people don't and white people own more cannabis companies whereas black people and people of color do not 
Mm -hmm. So I feel like that's one of the things that stuck out to me. Um, One thing that I have learned is that it's hard to really find people who are like own cannabis businesses and own cannabis organizations who are actively trying to help people um, who've been incarcerated for cannabis get into the field. Because like, I feel like the main, the main um, message or like the main, not, it's not an image. The main mm-hmm. message that you're trying to get across is like us in cannabis, that is kind of like secondhand. Yeah. So it's like, it's, it's still profiting off of mm-hmm. this prison industrial system mm-hmm. without giving them the options to, to well, without giving them the chance to opt in and make money off of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When I, um, I think maybe we'll make, when we like promote the episode, we'll make like a post with some of the statistics that you wrote in your article. Cause those numbers, like, I, I want to say like, definitely were shocking. I knew a little bit about, well, I know more about kind of the discrepancies between like the arrests and mm-hmm. whatnot, but not necessarily about business ownership. Yeah. And it's sad to say that it makes sense. Um, just like with those comparisons, but that was also just the percentages were wild, okay. <laughs> to say the least. But even like black people trying to own their own businesses, it's a lot more barriers than anyone else has to deal with. And then a business, which is cannabis, which people are still like afraid of in a sense, is definitely going to be like a different playing field mm-hmm. for everybody. And it's also like, yeah it totally has to do with everything like applying for a loan for your business is more difficult when you're black um and when you're brown too you know uh but but not as much and um it seems like these groups that you were talking about like uh, florid the anti-racist collective and then um you have the other the other source uh, i'm trying to find their name Oh, and um, so you also have Amber Center, uh, the Oakland Cannabis Collective. And I think it was really, of, of course, you, you only like reached out to like black sources. Yeah. It was like the, my idea for the story at first was going to be a profile on black businesses, black businesses and cannabis, but then it changed into kind of, I feel like it's more of an awareness story now. Mm-hmm. Would you not say? Definitely. Yeah, and just you know, it's it's seeing the numbers for this, seeing that uh, Black Americans make up nearly thirty percent of all drug-related arrests, um, even though they're only using them. Only twelve point five percent of Black people are using them. Yeah. Uh, the fact that there are uh, there are only four percent of cannabis companies that are owned by Black people. Um, it's just ridiculous, and I think that right now, like cannabis companies are definitely a millennial investment venture um and millennials like we pride ourselves on being you know race inclusive and like um thinking Mm -hmm. about intersectional solutions to to systemic issues and it's like well you're saying that you do you're saying that you support Mm -hmm. black people and black businesses um but these businesses really aren't yeah that's really frustrating. And we could uh, talk a little bit about the prison industrial system if you want to, because I know that um, your story has a lot about that as well. To add about the prison industrial system, I feel like that's a whole different topic within itself because the prison industrial system 
get it doesn't get funding but it gets bodies through the school to prison pipeline system so like and like all these things have something to do with each other i feel like it's such a it's a bigger topic than just what what is this and how are we not how are we combating it but like what is this and how are we spreading bringing awareness to this when the whole system in this country is built off of how are we going to police these people you know yeah i was just gonna make a comparison and say that like everything that you just said like kind of reminds me of like a red string cork board like that a detective is working off like everything is connected and it's just brain boggling to try to like visualize yeah, it. And most people, I don't know, most people will look at that cork board and not be able to read it at all. And then there are the certain few mm-hmm. that, that really dedicate themselves to like trying mm-hmm. to figure this out and trying to find solutions and, you know, trying to find data on it. And, you know, that's just um, finding people who are very passionate about that, uh, very knowledgeable about that is quite rare. Um, yeah, exactly. It's like, uh, in my own personal experience, we uh, has been, you know, a part of my family, like my father and I smoke together. Um, you know, my mom knows that I do. Uh, she hasn't uh, done it with me, but I know she did it in the past. Yeah, I don't know what everyone else's experiences are with cannabis, but, you know, um, it has really helped me with social anxiety, with, um, being able to to relax in certain situations. I'm not really a big drinker um, because of what it does to your body, and but I'm a smoker and I smoke a lot. <laughs> um, so would, would any of you like to, you do not have to admit to smoking weed on air, <laughs> but if you'd like to, you can do so here. I don't, but I have, and like, I don't like smoking because I don't like laughing. I don't like joking. <laughs> but it also is like a part of like my life. Like my dad smokes, my brothers, my cousins. Like this is a part. And like in general, I feel like it's for me at least. Like my interest relies heavily in music. So music and hip hop, it's not like a. It's not something that's frowned upon. Like if you smoke, you smoke. It's fine. But when it comes to like other things, like like especially like the way out people on the outside looking in look at it is like something bad or like something that's like not respectable. It has a negative you know? connotation almost. Yeah. I personally don't smoke. I've had too many bad experiences with it. Um, so I'm just been kind of traumatized. So I just, I, you know what? I was just like, you know what? It's fine. It's not for yeah. me. But yeah, I know a lot of people that I, of my friends smoke, um, family members as well. So yeah, nothing against it or anything like that. Yeah. Oh, totally. I think everybody's got their vice, you know? Um. Yeah, I discovered the magic of CBD a while ago because I don't like being high, and that was always like a a thing for me because like I like mm-hmm. social smoking because like all my friends at SF State would, and 
I felt like, oh, kind of excluding myself. And then I found CBD, which doesn't get you high and just makes me calm. And I was like, yes, I have my own thing to do. Um, and so my parents have used it medicinally for a long time um, as well. So like I grew up with with kind of no stigma when within my smaller community, except for like my grandparents who I knew weren't cool about it. But like that's because they're old. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I can't remember where I was going. Was, yeah, so we've all had like it. different experiences, even though y'all don't smoke. I, I'm like, I'm I'm usually not the only one in a group that smokes, so that's interesting to me. <laughs> so Whitney, um, kind of going on to your story, um, the one that you've been working on is about uh, black-owned businesses and um, SF States bsu black student union raising money for that um do you want to give like the elevator um, pitch to your article which is black residents united in housing on instagram and i also follow sfsu's uh bsu instagram page as well so i saw one day that uh on one of the stories that was being shared is this fundraiser um fun um sponsored and led by bsu where in efforts to support small Bay Area businesses that have been affected by ongoing protests and COVID-19. So that in itself was a story. Uh, so I reached out to Diana Freslassi, who is the president of BSU. Um, I also reached out to Ivory Moore, who is the president of BRA, and kind of getting a sense of what why they started the um, fundraiser and what have they have learned and seeing um, any support from other student organizations on campus. So Diana kind of commented on that and was pretty surprised with the ongoing support from um, other student organizations that aren't black organizations. Um, so for that, she was very grateful and surprised by that. I see that their Black Business Relief Fund through PayPal collected $8,000. Yeah, within two weeks. Wow. So that's, that's yeah, yeah. That's, that's actually, wow, that's, that's a lot cool. of help for some people. Because mm-hmm. there were, like, in, in the protests, there, were, there, were, there was a lot of looting. There was a lot of property destruction mm-hmm. um, there, uh, which was caused by... A bunch of different people and mm-hmm. and you know these are especially in like oakland where a lot of the protests have been these are black owned businesses like on telegraph on broadway um and and those are the places that you know i i saw a lot of like um please don't come in here black owned business signs um which is is um it's unfortunate but looting in, in, in my opinion, and from my research in, in just like protests in general, because I, I started, uh, I started my journalism career on the protest beat after the 2016 election. So that was like, um, mm-hmm. so I was working with all of these different, you know, the BSU for my school and Emoja. Well, the BSU was essentially the Emoja club because um, there wasn't like a whole union or, um, and uh, the Mecha, the Brown Braised Aslan. And it, it seems that, you know, looting is, is kind of, it's not inevitable, but it's highly common with these things. Um, like the LA riots and everything. It's just, it's, um, and I think especially during COVID, 
people don't have access to resources. So when they have the opportunity to take those resources, a lot of them are gonna take it because what else do you have? All right, this is a conversation that takes more than 30 minutes. So we are going to be releasing a part two of this episode. So tune in next time for episode three, part two. Yes, episode three, part two, not episode four, episode three B, episode three. (laughs) Thank you to our guests, Whitney Papali and Mia Coates for joining us on the happy hour. Also, thank you to Armand Billamoria for composing and recording our theme music. The Happy Hour podcast is done in collaboration with the Golden Gate Express newspaper and Express Magazine out of San Francisco State University's journalism department.